What's up, bingers? Today's episode features a really fun conversation that involved me and my guest having such a great chat that we never even got around to talking about a case. But no worries, she's promised to return again and talk some true crime. She is the co-host of the immensely popular True Crime Obsessed podcast, the one and only Jillian Pensavalli. The internet's full of true crime podcasts. More and more are added to the list every day. Figuring out where to start or where to go next can be overwhelming. But have no fear, I'm here to help. I'm Bob Ruff, and this is the place to find your next true crime binge. Yeah, I always uh, I love seeing other people's way of doing the slate. So how how do you do it? Well, uh, for the Hamilcast, I don't because I use Riverside, so it just starts the you know I just sort of deal with it. But uh, so Patrick and I go to timeanddate.com. We do the world clock, and we say you know on the five, on the zero, and then when it hits on our side, <laughs> we clap. Um, I that's amazing. I, yeah, I feel like there are better ways, but you know. That se- like it seems like probably the most accurate way and also the most complicated. Well, cuz there's always there's a <laughs> lag no matter which way you slice it, you know? Right. Like it doesn't it's still it's just we're just grasping all of us. Like us the podcasters are like the virtual the pandemic podcasters are just grasping at straws no matter right. what. Right. Unfortunately, we can't it. we can't tap into the the minds of the you know the old-timey podcasters that have been doing it for 40 years. Uh, because what you mean like radio yeah (laughs) how did the radio people slip for you listeners what jilly and i are talking about is oh we're okay great we're on hi everybody oh yeah it's all part of the show we we leave nothing out at true crime fantastic so we're recording remotely on on zoom and we and what happens is we both record on our own ends and for our editor mike to be able to line our tracks up we do that big clap and then as he says it gets me close enough because I always yeah, he sees the it. spike and then, but yep. the, you know, there's la- and then there's drift too. So it's great for a couple of minutes, but then that slate will become meaningless. Yeah, I over like I, I watch the zooms and I'm like, well, shoot, we were a half a second behind, and he's like, it just mm-hmm. doesn't matter. Just just do it so I have an idea of where to start. I know. Look, as as an editor, yeah, that editor's brain, you're just like it kills you, and then you just get over it, and then you have fun in the conversation. Right. Which is what we're about to do. So how are things how are things in New York right now? Things are, you know, wonderful, I guess. You know, I'm we're, we're still living in this crazy world. My husband and I finally got vaccine appointments. I so got that's my first really Moderna last Wednesday. How you feeling? Uh fine. I was the day so I got it on um we're probably supposed to have some disclaimer. Don't take any of this as medical advice. <laughs> Just a podcast. Sure. But but for me, I uh <laughs> I, so I, well, so my wife had COVID. We went to, we just finally decided to venture out and take a vacation to Vegas okay. and got, got COVID. Uh, and so it really, <laughs> really threw a fucking Vegas, man. Gets you every time. <laughs> they say what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, except COVID and also yeah. probably herpes. That shit um, stays with you. Right. <laughs> but yeah, we got back and she was really, really sick and I was kind of oh. sick. So she got a test. She was positive. I was going to get a test. And the doctor's like, do you need a note for work? <laughs> I was like, yeah. no, I work for myself. And he's like, well, 
then why do you want to pay me $300 to tell you you have to quarantine anyway? Uh-huh. Right. So it was just assumed that I had it because I had similar symptoms, but I didn't have it as bad as she did. But And she's okay? Yeah. She recovered. She never had like shortness of breath or anything like that. She had uh, just extreme fatigue, mm. headache, just couldn't move, couldn't get out of bed, mm. just exhaustion for good 10 days. Yeah. And then she did have a couple of days of of uh, breathing trouble. Just if she would lay down for a long time and would stand up, everything would like, I don't know, whatever doctors say is happening. But when she stood up, she would cough for a half hour after she. Oh no! Up. God damn it! But she's fully recovered. So we had it. We had we handled it much. We we were lucky compared to a lot of people. Absolutely. And now still dealing with. Do you do you and your husband have kids? No, we have a dog. You have a dog. Is the, is the dog doing okay with the COVID stuff? Yeah, well, she's new. So my husband and I just moved into this apartment. We lived in a 420 square foot apartment for 10 years. And it was one of the, it was a walk up in New York City. And um, it was very, very old. It was one of those things where if you put a pen on the floor, it would roll roll because (laughs) it was really, really old. There were two apartments per floor. We Uh were on the fourth floor of the walk up. There was one other floor above us. And they didn't allow dogs and we are dog people. I grew up with dogs all, you know, so did he. And my parents have never, I think after, after our first dog, Jesse, who I got for my fifth birthday after he, and then we got him a friend libs. And then after that, we've, my parents always had multiple dogs, but so we, I've been like needing a dog and for, of my own, I guess. And so the apartment one didn't allow them, but two, I wasn't going to like sneak it in because it was just not good for it it wasn't like a nice thing to have small a dog space in that kind of apartment you know yeah. super small the up and down house training all this stuff so um we moved in october and th- like the day we moved in i was searching on all the rescue sites and all the shelters and trying to get a pup and so her name is fiona we rescued her from death row in south carolina and she got here in february and she's you know the love of my life she's fantastic but she is like a child i hear i hear from yeah. other parents they tell me it's basically the same thing Congratulations on the new digs and the new puppy. Thank you so much. Is she, is what kind of dog is she? She is a hound terrier mix. They found her on the street somewhere in South Carolina. She's only maybe about six months now. We got her when she was four months. She was like an abandoned puppy. And then they she ended up at a very high kill shelter. And she was like, scheduled, it was the whole thing. And so I said, absolutely not. Let's take her. We, you know, yeah, let's save her life. And now she's here. Well, that's that's awesome. How do you how do you find a dog in what'd you say, South Carolina? Yeah. Like, how does that happen? <laughs> when you're, there must <laughs> Can be I tell you, other I rescuable love... dogs in New York. <laughs> well, you know, you'd think. I, first of all, I love that I'm talking to you, Bob Ruff, about uh, dog rescue. That's my. I love that this is <laughs> this is where the conversation is. This is has... why the people tune in. You know. <laughs> Look, if they if they if they saw my name, they know dogs are a part of it. So I, the thing about the pandemic is that so many people have been adopting dogs because they're home. Oh, and so okay. a lot of those people, I don't want to say a lot. I think some some number of those people really aren't equipped to mm-hmm. to have a dog. And so there are people saying, oh, well, I'm, you know, back in March 2020, you know, well, I'm home. I, I can handle it. And then adopting these dogs and then sending them back to the shelters. So the shelters and the rescue organizations started putting all of these kind of really strict rules in place about who they would adopt to because oh, the applica- yeah. I mean hundreds and thousands of applications uh for all of these rescues and there were times where and it's it's amazing but like rescue organizations were saying we actually don't have dogs thank you so much for all of your donations give them to this 
uh, organization. I know oh, they really? needed. I mean, the dogs were being cleared out and cats and, you know, all animals. And then sometimes they were being sent back. So we have a, an apartment, but we do not have an outdoor space. We do not have a fenced in yard. And a lot of the checklist, there was like all this kind of gatekeeping where if we didn't have this outdoor space with a six foot fenced in yard, we weren't even looked at. And it was disheartening. And there are a lot of dogs that come to New York City from places like South Carolina, places like Arkansas, Texas. There are just a lot of stray dogs there. They're not spaying and neutering their pets. And yeah, so I was getting a lot of rejections. And I felt like I was taking all the time, the hours and hours to fill out all of these applications and donating to every single organization because I thought... Trying to grease the wheel a little bit. Well, not even that. Yeah. Just like I would donate anyway. Like yeah. I want to give. I mean, my dream is to like save all the animals and all the people. So like, okay, great. So I was happy to do it, but I was just rejected, rejected, rejected. And I was on true, you know, one episode of True Crime Obsessed. I just said it. Patrick was like, "How you doing?" I was like, "I don't know. I'm feeling like not great today. I keep getting like rejected from all these dog rescue organizations." And so, like a bunch of listeners of True Crime Obsessed had reached out to me and said, "I know this person. I know." This can I help you? And this one woman, Melissa, said, "Look, I uh, I have a rescue organization out on Long Island. I'm a I'm a big listener of True Crime Obsessed. I really want to help you. I think I think I can help you. Like, what's going on?" And the universe had my back on this because I recognized the name of her rescue organization. It's called Ollie's Angels, and I had just Google. I had just come across them the night before, and that the timing matched up that. When she emailed the like press at True Crime Obsessed, you know, whatever the email was, I had I was I was searching around that time the night before, but it said like one hard and fast rule, like if you're not based on Long Island, we won't adopt to you. And based on my experience calling other rescues and shelters, like, are you sure? Like, can you is that a hard and fast thing? They all said yes. So I was like, all right, X out, like sorry. And I fell in love with this little Fiona. And I was like, well, her face is adorable, but th- there's no way. They're going to adopt to us. And it, the, it just the timing and the universe and all this ha- came out. And, and uh, yeah, so thank you, Melissa, at all these angels. And now we have little sweet Fiona, who I did not name after Fiona Apple, everyone. Uh, it, that was another just serendipitous thing. Her name was she was just named Fiona. Oh, she already had that name. when you got She already it. had the name. Yeah. Right. That's crazy that it's that yeah. hard to. I, re- I do. As you were telling that story, I remember back in like the 80s or early 90s when I remember a time when my dad wanted to rescue a dog. We just moved out to the country and we had like five acres. I grew up in the woods, like our driveway was a half mile long uh, out in the woods. And he thought, we finally live out here in the country. I want to get a dog and went to a kill shelter to look for a dog and felt the application and they wouldn't let him adopt a dog. I remember I was with him. I was you know 10 years old and they wouldn't let him adopt a dog because he didn't have a fence, like that checklist uh. you were talking about. And I, yeah. remember, I remember my dad going, you mean to tell me you're going to kill that dog? Oh, my and, God, Bob. And that's a better option than him I living know. out in the country with me? And they're like, sorry. I know. It's just, can we just, <laughs> look, I know, I know who I'm talking to here, but can we just like reform everything and just get, get the right people out of prison and you death know, maybe, 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 Jillian, maybe you and I have a new podcast on the work, like something, you know, a, yeah. tr- a like a, like a truth and justice for dogs, like for yep. for rescue dogs, right? And then we'll just insert instead of me just inserting stories about dogs on my true on our true crime podcast, it'll just be mostly dogs, and then like free Adnan, and just you know, like, right? Yeah, just, we'll just we'll insert yeah. like little things into the. It'll other just way. be reversed, so then we're just covering all our bases on all of our podcasts. I like it. We'll workshop a name. We'll we'll get something figured. We'll out. figure it out. 
You know, I had the easiest ad- dog adoption ever in today's episode of True Crime Binge Dogs Edition. Uh, so when we moved, my wife and I and our family moved into our new house here, it's kind of a weird, we're like out in the country in the sticks, but mm-hmm. it's like a neighbor, it's like a private, there's like a little private road and then like, it was a farmer that sold off chunks. So there's four houses in what used to be a cornfield. Okay. And so I have three neighbors and the one neighbors have, they let their dogs just run, like no invisible. I have two big, beautiful German shepherds. Oh, unbelievable. Oh, this is heaven. So. I, before we moved in, had Invisible Fence come in, and Invisible Fence, two and a half acres of our property, and put in a dog door so our shepherds can just run and run. I mean, that's a massive amount of space for them to run, because we came from a little subdivision. Yeah. But the neighbors have two dogs, and they they just let them run. And the one kind of stays close to home, it's a big old English Mastiff, but then they have this little <laughs> German short hair that would just run, it was the neighborhood dog. She just ran all over the uh-huh. place, all over the, all over the place. We moved in as we're moving our stuff in. She just came right in the door and introduced herself and hung out with us. And then <laughs> so sweet. at like 10 o'clock, because they also, they, they at their house, they sleep in a kennel out in the garage and it, our dogs sleep in our bed with us. Uh, so she, she was like, can I just stay here, guys? It like, you know, at bedtime, we're like, you have to go home, Mackenzie. And we'd send her out. Mackenzie. And then after, <laughs> so then after, after like, you know, a week of living here, I got the dog door installed. And she just adopted us. I put her on the front door and told her to go home, and she ran around the back and popped into, the bed with, popped into the bed with the uh, with the other dogs. And she oh, just, well, yeah, I don't blame her. Yeah. And I know you know this, but you have to be careful with that invisible fence with those collars. You have to get the right. Yeah. Sometimes they can be pretty harsh, but I know I know who I'm talking to. So oh yeah, oh yeah, we were, and actually that's uh, we'll get off dogs shortly here. But when we got it, so my dogs always had. An invisible type fence at our old. We had a you know subdivision little yard. I had one of like the wireless ones, mm-hmm. and I had it all set. And our dogs were trained to it. They knew how to. Uh, we have one up at our cabin up north, and so they especially the I have a, the big giant one. Ruger is the biggest baby ever. Like he just doesn't. Sure. He, he won't get more than a hundred feet away from us, so it's never a problem. The little one, Titus, is like he's he's the smart one, and he would go up and wait till it beeped, and then. You know, that's how we, when he goes up to the cabin, that's how he reminds himself where the fence is. He just walks and it's like, beep, beep, beep. It's like, okay. I mean, and German Shepherds, I look, I love Fiona. She's a, uh, she's a, a hound terrier mix. She looks a little bit like a beagle. She's got a lot to her. I, I don't know what she is, but German, I love German Shepherds. I love Huskies. We just, there's just no way we can have them in New York City, but they're geniuses. I mean, all dogs are perfect and we don't deserve them. But... I think my Ruger would challenge that notion of German <laughs> Shepherds being geniuses. <laughs> Well, hey. In his older age, he's eight years old now, and like the a, about a year ago, and he's 120 pounds. He's a massive dog. Holy shit. That's, I mean, wow. Okay. Yeah. He's a big old boy. And all of a sudden, <laughs> he took up this new thing where his favorite thing to do is to rub his head on me. And he was doing it this morning. I'm laying in bed, and he ju- stands on the bed. He has no concept of personal space. He of steps on, stepped on me five different times, stepped on Titus, the other dog, and then takes his forehead and pushes it into my, well, that's why I'm sleeping, by the way, pushes oh, his forehead as hard as he can into my face. I don't know what that, maybe, maybe any of these dog experts out there can explain to me why he's doing that. Because he loves you unconditionally. Yeah. It's adorable for whoever it's like not happening to. Like when he does it to Becky, my wife, I'm like, oh, look how cute that is. Right. And he does you're it like, to it's me, 6.30. Like, yeah, you're giving me a black <laughs> eye. Like, we've, done, we've been through this. It's all love. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, all the dog fencing. So our fence there was set to like beep and warn them, and then it would give them a little shock. Mm. 
when they installed my fence here, like the, it's the actual invisible fence, they have to, like they program the collar. I can't, I can't do anything with it. They have to come with like a computer. So they put it on and I've got the flags up and Titus does his thing to go out and check where the boundary is, except for their, they had it set to no warning and full power. Oh no, I hate that. It was the worst. He stepped out and like, and just like oh my ran, God. The, ran the wrong See? way. Freaked him out, ran the wrong way, didn't, and it was like running further through. I'm chasing him and diving and tackling him and taking the collar off of him. I hate it. Then wouldn't go outside for three weeks, so I called the people and yelled at them extensively for. There's got to be a better way. Yeah. Unbelievable. They came out and reprogrammed it, and now he gets like a 10 second warning beep before <sighs> they do it. But and, and he hasn't gone anywhere near the edge of it in a year and a half now because he yeah, has no shit. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't either. The big one Ruger, that's the big baby. When that happened to Titus, he saw Titus get shocked and he ran back in the house and didn't come out for a week. He's <laughs> like, oh I don't my know. God. Something this out there. <laughs> something out there is electrocuting us. I don't know where or why it is. So oh, I'm not Jesus. going outside. We got to just be better to everyone. All these living creatures. We just got to be nicer to everyone. Humans and dogs alike. And I agree. Else. 100%. <laughs> Speaking of, of, of nice humans, when you were telling me about your, uh, your old apartment, it reminded me of. I wanted to a- ask you about one of, we have a mutual friend and w- when I was over last time I was in New York city and I went to go see him and Lori, I went mm. to their tiny little, I, the square footage has got to be about the same. The, you, if, we're talking about Damien Eccles, who yes. um, I met through my work on the show, the, the podcast and the TV show. We've become friends with him and Lori and Jillian, you've known him for a long time, right? Yeah. Uh, Damien and yeah, we're so my husband Mike and I are we we consider Damien and Lori family. Um, we were just texting yesterday. Uh, we adore them. When they were living in Salem, we spent like Thanksgiving and Halloween with them. Oh, like wow. we 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 love them. I'm wearing one of my Damien shirts today because I thought you know for the occasion. Is that what are those those called that, that he draws the the sigils? Oh no. yeah, the talismans and sigils. Talismans, and, what I was thinking yeah. of. Yeah, this is all. I, I mean, this is. I've had the shirt for years. I don't even know. I think he may, he might have. It might have been a fundraiser or something. But yeah. What was Halloween in Salem with Damien like? <laughs> it was. Um, you know, Halloween in Salem is wild because it's tw- it's like it's like New York City New Year's Eve, right? Uh-huh. You stay far away from it. It's a lot of people, amateurs who don't really know what they're dealing with. But we were with them for several days before and um this was years ago now but it was it's very cool because in salem they lived right near i guess it i I can't remember the name of it but it's basically essentially like the town square and it was like this big like quad and every day they had like the on on halloween there would be this big like carnival and every day a new uh like a, a new what's the word not attraction but a new what is the word bob a new like thing would go up like the the uh-huh. The cotton candy guy and then the the oh, popcorn like the, people. The vendors. Is vendors the word? Yeah, the new vendors or, yeah. or like a new ride or, or uh-huh. a new. Yeah. So every day it got bigger and bigger. Um, and so he would text like, oh, you know, this went up today and this went up today. And then we we headed up there and we didn't spend that much time out uh, in the wild on Halloween night. I can't imagine that Damien would have liked the crowds that would have, that you're describing. No, no and I like nobody does. It, it was right. very we, we yeah, we got all like we got all dressed up and we we spent a lot of time in their home, which is like still to this day. I think about my my time with Damien and Lori in Salem and it truly is some of the best memories of my life. I loved going 
to visit them there. I, you know, they live in New York now, but there was something about going, taking the train to go there and just, I, I can smell that their home. Um, I can smell being in Salem. We would go bowling. It was just like, I, it was such, I just, it's some of my favorite memories that, that I have. Um, but yeah, so then we, we like went home and had like, you know, they, they're all dessert. Mike and Lori and Damien are all very big dessert people. I'm more of like a snacker. I'm a more of a savory person. So we like, you know, when we got like all the kind of dressed up and then we went out for a little bit and then we all kind of looked at each other and said, it's been what, five minutes? I think we're good to go. We took the picture outside <laughs> and then we came back in and we spent time in their like cozy, cozy house. And I we like watched movies and we just had like a really lovely time like like we always do with them. It's funny you said that about dessert. So Damien introduced me to what is now my favorite dessert that I can't get around here in the sticks where I live. But. So the last time I was there, he and Lori and I went out to, um, it's an Italian, it's a Damien's favorite Italian joint. I can't remember what Emilio's. the name was. That was the one. Yep. <laughs> so, it's the best. Yeah. So we go out to Emilio's. He's got good taste. <laughs> yeah. And it was delicious. And we leave, we leave Emilio's and he asked me if I want to try the best cookie that I've ever had that's going to, I think he said, this cookie is going to ruin your life, but you should try it. Mm -hmm. So then we walked over to Insomnia Cookies. Oh yeah, of course. Never had anything like I made the most disgusting Instagram story that night from my hotel. So we go and and you know I I get now I'm just like I'm gonna need a couple of these cookies. Who, who sure. what, what kind of psycho eats one cookie? So I get a couple of cookies to go, and then you know him and Lori took their cab back, and I went to get back to my hotel and open. And the cookies are like if you took a, a softball and smashed it, the size of the, the size of the cookie. Yeah, and there were chocolate chip. And I got myself uh, a carton of milk, which would, yep. it, when my wife listens to this, she's going to be disgusted. She hates when people <laughs> dip stuff in milk. But I, yeah. I got a carton of milk and went to my hotel and started dunking this warm, giant, juicy, gooey cookie in the milk. And I made an Instagram story of me eating one of these entire giant cookies with just chocolate running down my face and one of my favorite memories with Damien. That, that tracks because look, I, I'll tell you something. Insomnia delivers. There's one he near- told me that near our apartment where Mike and I live. And sometimes Mike, you know, he's got that sweet tooth and I got it. They stay, they stay overnight, even the next day. Cause they come in like a little pizza box when you, right. when you order them and they're, they're insomnia cookies. They're open late. Um, and they are still there's I don't like a crunchy cookie. I Me like neither. a soft cookie and they're soft even the next day. And I also have, there's a, did he t tell you about rice to riches? The rice pudding joint down no, there too? No, he did not. Uh, it's this great rice pudding spot. It's the only rice pudding spot that I know of, but we- I've it, never heard of a rice pudding spot, but you have my attention. Right? <laughs> so uh, called Rice to Riches, and we would kind of, you know, Emilio's is always the, the go-to, but we'd kind of always say like, well, where, where do you want to go to dinner? Well, th this place is near Rice to Riches because the dessert would be <laughs> right. going to Rice to Riches. And I have a picture of Mike and Damien down, like like crouching down, looking at all of the options because you they're like, all these different flavors and all. And I would just say to Mike, like, get the get yours and then get one for me because I'll have like a couple bites and then we'll share it. But yeah, that and Big Gay Ice Cream was another big. It's it's all very dessert heavy. Oh, I miss New York. Like, what are things like now? Like, so, so I imagine that was the last time I was there it was probably 2019, I'm guessing, was the last time I was there. And that was the, when we went to Emilio's and we went and got the cookies. <laughs> but like, I just, I love, so I mean, I live in the, the sticks. I described like, where I, but like I'm on the out, I live in the middle of nowhere. There's no insomnia cookie. To, I, we don't, 
We have two places that DoorDash will deliver to our house, and it's and it's Wendy's and McDonald's. We, we're too far away from the restaurants for them to. And you're a true crime them. podcaster, and you live in the middle of nowhere. Like, aren't you? Right. Terrified? Do you have an, like a badass alarm system? I mean, you have two gigantic German shepherds. So we 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 have uh, ADT, and we have two very big German shepherds. Yeah. And this is like the being out in the sticks like this. There's a certain uh, there's a certain stereotype of people that live out here that would cause people to think twice about like pretty much if you in southwest rural Michigan, if you break into a house, you're just assuming that they're armed when you go in there. Okay, all right. Got it. I didn't know where you were going with that. I was like, all right. okay, got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah, it's the it's the big armed hillbilly type is what people picture when they see anybody. So, you know, they really got to want it to to try (laughs) something like that. I just yeah. use the dogs in the alarm. And actually, the, the dogs are better than the alarm because... Oh, I'm sure. Well, German Shepherds... I mean, I don't know what they would do if anybody ever came in the house, but they have decided that their, their circle of safety around our home is about a quarter of a mile diameter. So, And we live at the very end of this road, so there's no traffic down here. So if a car hits, like comes off the main road and turns on our road a quarter of a mile away or a half mile away, they're already barking. They let us well, know. I was going to say, I, from what I'm imagining and what you're describing, you can see that car coming down that dirt road. So, like, it's hard to get as scary as it is. I'll have you know our road is paved. Thank you very much. Paved? I'm just saying, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm visualizing the ADHD. Right. I need to visualize it. But as a born and bred New Yorker, as we say on True Crime Obsessed, like, I'm like a city hick, right? Uh-huh. Like, I feel like as the, the fear of being, oh, my God, you're out in the middle of nowhere. There's also like, well... Unless they turn their lights off, you could hear it. You can kind of right. see, no, like you can kind of see it coming, like the like the dogs tell you. Yeah, it would be impossible to sneak up on on my house between how far they'd have to come, the dogs, everybody, and everybody everywhere has a ring video doorbell capturing everybody driving sure. by <laughs> driving by the house. It would be yeah, it would be it would be very tricky. So like like so like through this whole pandemic thing, right? Life hasn't changed much for me. I'm kind of a homebody anyway, but yeah. I miss like I. So I, I work a lot, used to work a lot in both L.A. and New York, and I hate L.A., love New York. Like, it's my, mm-hmm. it's, it is my absolute favorite place to be, and I just can't, I can't picture it not being what it was that last night I was there hanging out with Damien and Lori when we were, you know, just, just the streets are buzzing, and there's just, you know, there, there's people everywhere, and all the different little shops and restaurants like like what is it are there still people on the streets are things still open like what is it like there now i mean now april 2021 things are definitely you know you have the outdoor seating you have the um i think it's like 30 percent capacity mm-hmm. inside restaurants with with the uh dividers and all of that but i i mean i do remember a time a year ago now where i would go for my you know essential run whether to get my you know ADHD meds or just food or whatever and it felt it was a ghost town i mean it was really bizarre and weird and someone i was talking to i think i was talking to someone on the hamilcast about it they were asking me the same question what's it, what is it like you know being in new york is it, and and it, the conversation went to where it was like there was when 911 happened it was we were all it, it was that kind of same palpable feeling but we were all kind of on the same side of right how we felt about it we were all kind of coming together but even very early on in new york it felt like oh so you're not going to wear a mask huh like okay like it felt like there people had opinions right. about what was happening here mm-hmm. um so it was a weird kind of ghost 
town and it was a weird kind of feeling of like, we will get through this. But then there were people who were just like, not, I mean, and I'm talking a year ago today, like very early on in this, not distancing at the grocery store, not Mm -hmm. wearing a mask, not, not getting it. And that felt very different from another very hard time that the city went through together. But now, you know, the pandemic, it's a pandemic. So the world is going through it, but you know, it's, it's weird. It's weird. And and I think that that's so that that's, that's so consistent, like throughout the country I've seen, you know, like, so like the big city of New York, it's a, we have the same thing here in, in rural Michigan where like for the most part, everybody's doing their part. And then you'll, you'll always have, see some jackass that you, you always see the poor teenager at the door of the grocery store arguing with some grown man because he, the, the teenager's <laughs> right. job is to not let people in without a mask. Sure. And he's trying to explain to this young man how he's violating his constitutional rights and, <laughs> and how the I mean- science is all wrong. And he's a sheep, and it's just like, oh, are God. you fucking just put it on? Like, is it really that hard? But yeah, yeah, it happens around, and we keep getting shut down, which in my theory is be- like over and over again, is because there's every time we open up with restrictions like you guys have, mm. then a lot of these, um, especially in like the more the more rural areas of our rural area, are just like, fuck COVID, and they just like open the doors and let everybody in, and nobody's wearing a mask, and then all of a sudden it becomes an epicenter of another spread and their numbers go up and we get shut back down again. Yeah. I was just editing an episode of the Hamilcast where I was talking to the the hair and wig designer for mm-hmm. the whole for all of Hamilton. And they, you know, Hamilton is the only show that's happening right now in Australia. It's the old, like one of the only shows that's happening in the world and uh-huh. the Australian company is happening. And I was asking him what it was like to go over there and how they were doing over there. And he was like, yeah, the thing about Australia is that they kind of, you know, they listen. Like we it was this conversation where he was like, yeah, so if they get they had a couple cases, they quarantine, they shut down, they tell you in advance so you can go do all your shopping. And then I w- and then everyone stays inside. And I, I said I just edited myself saying, and they listened. They didn't like politicize right. it or anything. They just right. did it. And he was like, they did it. And now like theater can happen over there and, and life can happen. And I was like, all right, well, Australia, once again, God, they know how to do it over there. Like, what? They just did it. Yeah. I hope we get our shit together like that. <laughs> like because like what you just said about politicize, it's like every issue now. Like no matter, like someone's going to listen to us talking about dogs and be like, "Well, actually," and then oh, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, there's always got to be everything has to be binary. There's got to be two different sides to it. There can't possibly just be something we all agree on, right? Or just like I don't know, some kind of context, or you know, the intention is good, but maybe I right. said the wrong word. But like, it's just you know, check your DMs after this, and we'll see. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> I got some good ones after uh, I don't remember what. Oh, my my! I did. I talked to Justine Harmon from uh, the, for OC Swingers, and mm-hmm. somehow that that conversation got a little more political than I meant for it to. Definitely got some. Definitely got some DMs after that one. It wasn't, oh, but yeah. that was the thing. It wasn't political, but people make it political. Uh, I'm not well, going to say. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to go wrong. right down that road again. But that's where you're wrong. <laughs> right. That, here I was thinking that what I was talking about was common sense. As it turns out. There's two sides to that. You know, Damien always used to say that. Or Damien says that a lot. He'll just say, you know, well, you're, see, now you're speaking logic and they they don't. So you can't really, now you're trying to talk common sense and and they don't. So I'm like, yep, he's absolutely right. No, no, no. It doesn't work like that. No. So tell me a little bit about, um, now that we are a solid 30 minutes in, probably time to start talking about your show. 
Yeah, and I, I have all day. I don't have a hard out, so I'm here for, you know. Awesome. So the great, we'll have a four-hour episode. This be like Joe Rogan. Fantastic. We'll just let it go. Um, oh, only my nothing like Joe Rogan. <laughs> I, I, yeah, yeah, didn't mean to insult you. Sorry for those DMs, Bob. I'm getting them too, if it makes you feel right. better. They're coming in right now as people are listening. Yeah, it's a live radio show. So you are, uh, you've mentioned a couple times the Hamilcast uh, that yeah. you've, been, you've been doing for how long? How many years? About five, five and a half years now, almost. January 2016, yeah. Yeah, so you were in, you were in, is that five and a, does that mean that I've been doing this for six years? It's gotta. Yeah, I started in 2015. Six years. Six years in May. May 1st will be six years. By the time this episode airs, I'll have been making podcasts for six Congratulations. years. Congratulations. That's insane. That's, a, that's an amazing feat. Yeah, you'll be my sixth year episode of podcasting. <laughs> no way. I'm an anniversary up? That's... It sure is. It just depends on whether true crime... It doesn't matter. I was going to say, it depends <laughs> on if the Truth and Justice episode airs on the 1st or the 30th, and this airs on the 3rd. Either way, you're right in there, right there, Great. close to an anniversary. Happy to be there, and and I'm sorry for all of your all of your listeners, but I'm thrilled. Thank you so much. That's amazing. Congratulations again. Your list. Thank you. My listeners will be thrilled to hear from you. And you guys. So, so Hamilcast was then. When did True Crime Obsessed start? So the Hamilcast started. I hadn't seen the show Hamilton, and I hadn't listened to podcasts, and I didn't know how to podcast or have any equipment. Um, it, I just heard the music of this show and really wanted to make a podcast about it. And so I, I don't know why I'd never felt that before. Um, I want to make a podcast about this. And it was like a fire that I'd never really felt before. And I'm, uh -huh. you know, my husband and I are creative people. He's an actor, a writer, a director. We had made a web series called The Residuals. We got married and didn't have kids and didn't buy an apartment, but we made a web series the year we got married. I, by the way, I watched a couple episodes of that today in my prep. I was gonna oh, did you? What, yeah. When I was reading your bio, I'm like, what is, what is the residual? You're a pro. Bob it's Ruff. funny. It's funny. Thank you so much. It was fun. But we did it all. We just figured it out. You know, we did it all from the ground up and figured it out. And then, um, yeah, I just, that's kind of what I do. It's like, I, I felt, oh, I feel like, you know, I really want to make this thing. And then I just figured out how to make it. I'm a learn by doing kind of person. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, the Hamilcast, I started. And then through that, I met Patrick Hines, who at the time was doing, I think, two Broadway podcasts. He was right. doing a podcast called Theater People where, so the Hamilcast, I just talked to everyone involved in Hamilton, like Lynn Manuel Miranda has been on a couple times and just everyone from the lighting people to the, uh, the, I always say the people on the stage, under the stage, next to the stage, in the business office, down the block, you know, mm -hmm. everyone. So Patrick and I met because he is a wonderful person and loves podcasting and loves podcasters. So he reached out to me and said, hey, I'm a theater podcaster too. I, I podcast about Broadway stuff. Like, let's be friends. And um, we became friends and we were, we just really clicked and we would say, you know, are you in Midtown right now? Are you like good for happy hour or what's going on? And then we realized we had a lot of friends in common and our conversations went from, you know, theater and the arts and what we were watching and our husbands and whatever to true crime, like really quickly. And um, I remember calling him one day and I remember in our old apartment where we didn't really have a separate room. It was like a one bedroom, but it was like these sliding doors where you could still hear everyone's everything. But I said to Mike, I said to my husband, Mike, I said, I really, I want to make a true crime podcast and I want to do it with Patrick. And I don't really know what it is, but I'm going to like call him and ask him about it. And it's going to be kind of like a big thing. So I like closed our like loud doors. I remember <laughs> sitting like on the edge of the bed and calling him and kind of pitching him this idea where I was like, I don't know what it is. Like, I think there's something there. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But maybe we can figure it out. And so we figured it out. And now True Crime Obsessed, 
We've been doing that for probably, if I've been doing the Hamilcast for five years in Jan- of, in January of this year, probably the uh, True Crime Obsessed has been almost four years. And just blew up the 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 space. The true crime oh, thank you. I get. I mean, so we we recap documentaries, and the first thing we were—I don't know if you know this—but we were going to solve the Zodiac. That was going to be the first. That was our first idea. I think Patrick told me that when I had when I had, when I had him on. That, that was the plan. Yeah. Didn't didn't not there yet, right? With the no, because we realized who the hell we're two theater kids. Like no way. Like there are definitely more qualified people. And then Patrick wanted it to be this kind of fancy pants three segment. Uh, podcast where it would be like we'd we'd talk about maybe a documentary. We came up with like, all right, well, we'll talk about a documentary because I mean, we uh, we both love true crime docs. And then it'll be like an interview with someone in the true crime world and then like true crime news. And I was like, all right, well, I don't have any other ideas. So like, let's just go with it. And then that we recorded that pilot, which I think has been long gone because Patrick Despite my begging and pleading, doesn't keep anything on an external hard drive for like right. that many old files. So I think that's gone. But we we were kind of like, I think maybe that that twenty minute thing about us talking about that documentary, The Imposter. Like I think maybe that's it. And so I we then we just started do it. Let's just do true crime documentaries. And then we he because he for a little bit really wanted it to be a little more cerebral and a little more fancy. And I just, my commentary, I guess, like is is a little different than that. And you can hear him. I mean, the, if you were to listen to our latest episode of True Crime Obsessed, whatever it is, when this comes out, the first episode, sa- the first several episodes sound like we're trying to not disturb the person in the next room. Right. The episode that came out yesterday is is like fuck the person in the next room and fuck the person all like no we're we're like rage we're loud and we're doing what we're doing and. We always say like, I know, I know, I see the I see the reaction on everyone's faces when we say we're a true crime comedy podcast. But the comedy comes in, as I've been told, my anger and my (laughs) um, my rage and frustration. But also like. If we don't laugh about the shitty lawyer or the corrupt cop or the person who means well, but like they knew the documentary was coming over, they still have dirty dishes piled in the sink. Like we tell a story in the way. Uh, where we can ad- we can advocate for the victims. We never laugh at the expense of the victims or the families ever. Like that's a very like it, I I almost want to say it's a rule, but it's not like we're fighting that. It's not like oh I wish I could make fun of this. You would victim. just never I do wish- that because you're a good human. Well, thank you, but yeah, it's it's never like well, well now wait a second we you know we we don't like prep anything. We just watch the documentaries separately, take our own notes, and then come together. And everything is totally improvised. Like things that I I wrote like three pages of notes about like I really want to dive into this sometimes we never touch and then it ends up being a a couple of moments on an episode that people really respond to it's cra- it's crazy it's 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 cool and I, and I love so I I went through you know I was nobody anyone ever heard of ever I was a fireman when I started serial dynasty before truth and justice and yeah and then you know I'm putting together this this very serious podcast and after a few years People just like I, all of a sudden, everybody thought that I was this like super serious guy all the time. Like if I ever, and then if and then it was, it's it's weird how audience because if I was ever to like crack a smart ass remark or you know, as I got more comfortable in my in my position where I was like you know just letting my own personality a little bit out, but people would would like on. And of course, my wife is like my I have to keep her off social media because because <laughs> when people say shitty things about me, which happens daily. 
Yeah. She's 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 the first one to be like, fuck you, you son of a bitch. <laughs> but she'd get so bad. Like, she was bad because she doesn't listen to my podcast because she doesn't love me. Um, hey. <laughs> she does, she I know do, that's not true. It's not. She, but I give her shit. She doesn't. She likes talking, but she doesn't listen to any podcast. So she has no idea whatever what I'm saying very, very infrequently. I see. But so people would like make comments about how, how dare you laugh at, you know, when we're talking about such a serious, and she'd always say, it's like, what, don't, why would they not, you're the goofiest person I've ever met in my life. Why would they not think you would laugh? But yeah, it took me, it's taken me years and I'm still not there to get to a place where I had to start a new podcast called True Crime Binge so that I could just let my personality be out a little bit. Sure. Because I'm like not allowed to, for real. If I like, we had, when this format started, on Truth and Justice, I had, you know, a range of podcasters on. So I had some serious people on, but then I had like the girls from A Date with Dateline on. I had Patrick on. You know, I had right, people yeah. that were, and we would, you know, laugh and and have a good time where we're talking about it. And I, you talk about DMs. How dare you laugh when we're talking about a series? It, but but it's like you guys kind of pay. I feel like you guys, along with a few other shows, have like paved the way for that to be okay. And the way that you just described that. You know, you can have fun with it without being disrespectful to the victims. Yeah, and thank you. I, I appreciate every, everything you said. And I, I think sometimes people forget, they see the word comedy next to true crime, and I think they come to a lot of, they jump to a lot of conclusions. And you can always see the reviews, which I, I don't read, but um, people lovingly send them to me. Like, can you believe this person said this about you? I don't yeah. agree. <laughs> I'm like, thanks, thanks for, send, thanks but- for sharing. Yeah, but you know, it, I think they make an assumption, and that's okay. I I, I understand that. I, I understand why they would say true crime comedy, like absolutely not. Um, but something that a big compliment we get from listeners of True Crime Obsessed is that sometimes there are cases that they want to know about that they're very curious about, but they know that it might be hard for them, and that it's a little easier to listen to us tell them the story than it is to get really all of. The really horrifying details. I mean, I'm really I I wear everything on my sleeve. My husband Mike says that there's like it's, he'd be hard pressed to find something that a listener of any podcast of mine or any interview that they've ever listened to about me that they don't know it's something about me. I'm a survivor of sexual violence. I I'm very um, open with the things that keep me up at night with my anxiety with my ADHD. So that comes out when we tell all of these stories, and I think. From what I've, what I, you know, you know, the good DMs, and like most of them are good, of course. Right. But you very rarely remember those. It's the other ones you remember, <laughs> right? But I, do, you know, I do though because it, it's I, I, I never expected, you know, Patrick and I started making a podcast with friends. You know, the two of us, we were friends. And we were going to make this podcast, and now it's become this business in my life. And I, I couldn't be, I could not be more grateful that every single day I get to wake up and do what I love, and I can't believe it. You know, like it's, it's, it's really. It's unbelievable. That's not lost on me. But I'm also not a mom by choice. And that's, I didn't know that that would be comforting to people for, for me to say that. So like, I don't, I don't know, honestly, like, I, you know, I can't live any other way. So to talk about these things, which is really just talking about myself, like selfishly, um, the, it's really nice to hear, you know, Jillian, I I have, you know, a lot like don't fuck with cats was really hard on me. I didn't want to do it, but the listeners, you know, it was it was just like, okay, I think I can push through. And I did it. And then way too soon after that, we did Tiger King, which I like still think is mostly about animal abuse that they didn't cover. Right. 
And then, you know, everything that has to do with it's just triggers of mine, the sexual assault and all, you know, murder, of course. It's just like it's hard. So I talk about it a lot because I consider this job of mine not only like uh, am I so grateful for it, but it is therapy for me, too, because it's the part of me that, you know, you can't really do that at the dinner table when you're allowed to go out to dinner before this all happened in February of 2020. You know, no, no one really, I, I feel, I think people feel seen, the listeners feel seen because I feel seen by them. The only thing I want to do is scream about how, how, how innocent people should be let out of prison and we should decriminalize weed and get the, you know, people of color and, and innocent, you know, it's just like, that's all, it's so, it's so right at the surface. And so I, every week, several times a week now, you know, with the Patreon and the regular fee, get to look at Patrick and say all this and he's not censoring me. You know, it's like, it's very, it's just out there and I get to just, it's therapy for me too. And it's all very real. And then you listen to the Hamilcast and like, that's all real too. Like that's the, like, oh, I just like curious and genuine and loving this, this work of art. And it's all, it's all like right there, right at the surface. And so it's just, it's, you know, and yeah, we're going to like put your dishes away. You signed that release. The documentary crew <laughs> came in and signed the release. Put the dishes away. Right. Right. You know, I had that when I was filming my, sh- my show. Yes. Um, which would sure make a great episode of True Crime Obsessed to talk about the Forgotten West Memphis 3. I'm not offended that you haven't done it yet. I just thought I'd, you know, in passing mention. Well, it. no, we, we've, we've <laughs> said I can't, I can't do it. It wouldn't be, I, I would be too, I, everything I just said would go out the window. It's too close. He's like my brother. Truly, right. he's my brother. Like You're there's, too close it's with just, and, and as hypocritical as that sounds, and I hear it and I know that, like my job is to talk about other things. Really? No. Good. Okay. So, but somebody else might. So, if you want to explain it, you can. But I don't think it's a critical. How about think, we check each other's DMs at the end of this? And right. <laughs> That'll be great. But no, it makes yeah. perfect sense for you to because it's very known that you have a very it's uh, too very much close you relationship know, with Damien. Yeah. So not only you know I I don't know how like the bias word falls into like your world as opposed to like me and Truth and Justice. If anybody gives a shit, if you're like bi- you know if you're like being biased about a case. But I also, I have to imagine it'd be very triggering for you to even like try to try to walk through all that. Did you watch it, by the way? Of course I did. I watched every last second oh, of God. it. Thanks. Of course. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, it's just, I love Damien and Lori so much. And it's just not, um, it also feels gross. Like, I don't want it to feel or sound like I'm exploiting this this relationship that i i hold so dear to me and i treat with such care mm-hmm. um so i would never you know i i think and i'm not i'm not trying to be like you know poor me i'm 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 a bad communicator i know that unfortunately i'm a podcaster but i know i know that i trip over my own words i know that the adhd makes many thoughts come together in a sentence that probably doesn't make any sense once the words are out of my mouth i totally understand that um but i i couldn't really live with myself if it can if if people were feeling like i was exploiting this this right. like really true part of myself like they would, i just i couldn't i couldn't do it yeah no it's it's too valuable to me that 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 family but it's too it's too valuable yeah genuinely i don't think that that's hypocritical at all and it's and it's you know i i completely respect the fact that you you take that stance on it and don't want to well, don't want to get yeah. into it I, I mean, I mean, I'll, I'll talk about it like here or I'll talk about it on like an Instagram live with True Crime Obsessed. Like I'll, I'll say, you know, call Scott Ellington and, you know, his number is still on my phone, by the way. 
Right. Except for when he I was left. calling him. Did you hear our update about, well, Damien Laurie probably told you what ha- what happened with him when he agreed to, it's, it's public. Then, yeah, go, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, pub- it's public now. I just want to let it, because I didn't know if, because it was secret for a while. We were, But yeah, that he agreed to test all the evidence and had it all ordered to be tested and then stuck his head in the sand like a the piece of shit that he is for yeah. several months until he's not in the position anymore. Well, that's that's what he does. And let's talk me and you off the record after this about that. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, that's it for True Crime Binge for this week. Her name is... <laughs> Please send us pictures of your dogs. Thank you so much for joining us. So, so when you and you and Patrick, you start, you start the show, like it's... Were you shot? I mean, it has to be... It had to be shocking or maybe it wasn't that you guys started this because I got lucky. I got into this space in 2015 on the, you know, on the heels of Serial when, you know, the, the, the whole idea of true crime podcast was really, they had been around, you know, Gen Y guys, they're kind of the OGs. They'd been around for a while before us, but I was kind of in at the ground floor. Um, you know, it's like if you bought Bitcoin in 2015, you know, that I got into. It's really high now, I guess. I don't know. Oh, now okay. I feel like a yeah, sucker for not buying it. Um, oh, but, God. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I just spent the weekend with my cousin who is uh, who's all into the crypto. And Anyway, uh, moving on. But you know what? I got, I got into the space early. And so I was able to like get a lot of growth early, early on. Whereas when you guys got into the space just a few years later, it was a much harder nut to crack. There was all, the, the market is, was already becoming saturated with true crime yeah. podcast. Like did you guys expect it to blow up in the way that it did? Um no, of course not. I mean, we 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 wanted to be successful at it. And by successful we mean by successful I mean that we could do this as our jobs. Right. So that's really all it meant that I could quit my freelancing gigs that I had and that I could really we could do this full time whatever you know however that meant it and we Patrick and I are both very 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 hard workers our husbands will call us workaholics mm-hmm. that's a conversation for another day uh i'm absolutely <laughs> a workaholic but you know i i we had been burned before by other collaborators that we'd had and we sort of looked it was like the spark this we sort of not only did we have so much in common but we were like ready to work we were like ready to go to work and make right. this whatever it was meant to be and I, because of the ADHD, it's like, it's really hard for me to listen to podcasts. So, and Patrick listens to podcasts like all day, every day, but he's also working all day, every day. So he's just like a unicorn. Right. But um, I just kind of thought like, I, I didn't know that no one else was doing this thing where they would talk about true crime documentaries. And it never occurred to me to ask myself, is anyone else doing this? Like, it was just something that started at happy hour. At like noon or whatever, whatever right. we thought happy hour was going to be, and and it just became it, it happened so organically, um, and we were just ready to work, and we worked really hard, and we do every single day, truly every single day, we we work our asses off at this, and so I think that's really what it was. It was this sort of organic spark that we both allowed to grow into what it is now, and still continue every day to work really hard to you know whatever it's going to be. Still, it's such a cool success story. Thank you, especially in the fact that, like, you guys had a goal of making this your career. That you know, so many people, myself included, and so many people I interview, where it was like, well, I started doing this, and then all of a sudden it got popular, and it was like, oh shit, I can quit my job. 
but like to go in and I also know a lot of people that are like, I want to go make a living out of this. And it just, you know, they, they just doesn't work out. They try and fail or it doesn't get enough traction. But the right. fact that, that you guys went into this, like we want to work our asses off and make a show that people are going to listen to to the point where we can make our living. And you did it and you did it relatively quickly. Well, and, and I do think I'm sorry, but I do think, though, we, we said that because the Hamilcast is my passion project, right? Like right. There are no ads. There never will be. Yeah. We both had other things happening, and we thought if we were going to put another thing on our plate, mm-hmm. we have to make sure because it, ta- as you know, it takes a lot of work to make something on any kind of a basis. Like it just takes a lot of work. And so we looked at each other and we were like, if we're going to do this, we really had to have a, a conversation where what is our goal here? Because th- we we are we already had the things that we were doing for fun or for the love of it, and we thought. Can we do something for the love of it and for the fun of it and also make it our jobs? Like, can we do that? I think, yeah, I think we can. And we don't know how, but I think, I think we can do it. And that was a real, a real turning point. So what was it like? I, we were slated to talk about Heaven's Gate here this week. Um, oh, yeah. We'll, we'll probably touch on it for about three minutes before we sure. get off because I'm more interested in your story. Okay. Than that. Because like I wanted to like like the the experience I rem- I remember moments in my career I remember when I you know got the email that a sponsor wanted to you know to to sponsor the show and you know so I, Sean T my very first sponsor was as I'm talking about you I tell you my story no I love this I want to know this I talked wait I I talk all the time no 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 I want to hear this so so Sean T the fitness guy you know insanity T25 that guy. Who is my wife's hero? Uh, are you familiar with Sean? No, not at all. Okay. Are you shocked um, that I'm not familiar with the fitness guru? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, but so he's he's a big deal in that space. My wife's hero. Well, he's a big. He, he was a listener, and he was my very first sponsor. Like he emailed me and and started asking me questions and stuff. And I didn't like. I didn't care. Like there was no star starstruck because I didn't even know he was as big of a deal as he is. Sure. It'd be yeah. like if he emailed you right now, and you're yes. like. Who? Okay, Sean. You know, but so he was a true crime fan. He just like found you. Your yeah. Pod? He, was, he he found my podcast. Was listening to my podcast. That's unbelievable. Yeah, I started like messaging me about the you know like all the listeners. Mine's a whole crowdsource thing, right? So listeners, yeah, email me all the time. Um, same way I met John Cryer. By the way, I had to look up who he was, and he ended up being my producer on the TV show. You didn't know Ducky? I know Ducky. I don't know. I'm terrible <laughs> with pop culture. I didn't know people's names. But anyway, Sean was like, I was, you know, he, he's, I got a new, I got a new exercise program coming out, you know, or are you looking for sponsors? And I got my first like money from the show. And then yeah. when, like mid roll signed me, like there was all these like milestones with like mid roll reached out to me and they wanted to start selling ads on the show. Oh yeah. And then when they sold the first ad and then when I looked at it and I was like, I could legit leave my job. I could. So like, mm-hmm. what was that? Oh. The, 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 the moment you, you you had your first sponsor coming in because that's the big breaking point, right? Like everybody yeah. wants to make money in a, literally a, a hundredth of a percent of people that podcasts do. And so when you got that first, you know, somebody's going to send money to you guys for doing this thing that you want to be your career. What was that like? It, it's, um, it was so, it feels like a, like a movie moment. I mean, I remember where we were when those emails were coming in because it was a couple, you know, Patrick has notoriously moved a ton of times uh-huh. uh, through the, the life of True Crime Obsessed. But I remember that first apartment 
that it t- I had to take trains that went downtown to go uptown. It took, it was like, it, we were like, we had, we, you couldn't live farther away uh, than Patrick and I. It, it was so complicated to get to his apartment. And so I would take all these subways. It was in the, like the dead of summer. It was so hot. And I would go into his apartment and just like hear the news. And when we got our sponsors, it was just like, oh my God. And it was like 200 bucks or something. Right. Yeah. And, and it, and it, but it meant, it meant like, okay. Cause we had made, we had had this conversation about like, if we're going to do this, we're gonna, we got to do it. And we were both like so in. And so I remember I was working. I have, I have st- so many stories just in my life. You know, the, the day I quit bartending, I remember why and, and what that gig was. And that, uh, that gig didn't work out, but I, I didn't have, I haven't had to bartend since. And I love bartenders. It's just for me, it wasn't my, my end game. But, and so it was that, it was like one, you know, Patrick would always say like, I can't wait. Like one day you're going to walk in here and you're going to be able to quit all like all five of your freelance gigs. And I was like, yep, no, I believe you. I know. Ex- yes, absolutely. Like that one, that's the goal. Like one day I'm going to be able to quit all the freelance gigs. And we just worked and worked and worked. And I remember finally like sitting with Mike and saying like, I think based on what, you know, I'm not a business person. That's mm-hmm. uh, Patrick's husband Steve he's our business manager and just thinking like well the numbers are kind of going this way and am I gonna jump off yet another cliff and say right yeah I think I think I can quit all of these freelance gigs and so that was a that was a big moment too walking in to Patrick's apartment and saying like I like I quit the gigs like that that was a big that was really really big because it was just um it was a real, I don't know, it was a real Thelma and Louise moment, I guess. Like we, we've, been, we've been jumping off this cliff for so long, holding, our, holding hands so tightly, and it, and it worked, and like the parachute opened kind of thing, you know, like, yeah, all right. But I, I, w- I would free fall for as long as it took at the same time. Does that make sense? Like, it, it does so much. I don't know. I'm too far away from my Zoom, but if you can see my bloodshot eyes, it, and it's such a silly thing maybe for some people, but for me, like I love, I love these success stories like, Oh, thanks. So so yeah. much, especially when it just comes from just 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 the term I like to use is "gur." You just guys, you guys just have that gur factor where you just keep working and working and working and working until in, until you 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 like you telling that story reminds me of drafting my letter to the assholes that I worked for at the fire department. Oh, and being like, oh, I'm they were, out. but they're fired like. They were assholes. That sucks. No, 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 not the firefighters. The oh. politicians who managed. Oh, I was like, wait, Bob. Department. No, the world isn't that bad, right? That even the no, 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 no. It was it was like, awful leaving my guys at the fire sure. department and gals. Sure. But it was the it, the my bosses had made. I was the chief, so my boss was my bosses were the uh, were the okay. the, the yeah. fire safety board people. Sure. And it was just like that day to be able to do that. So. Um, literally it's probably a weird thing to tear and tear a grown man up, but it did no. like, that's a, I think that's a great story. Thanks. Your guys whole, th- everything you guys have done. I enjoy it. You know, kind of, I was getting at earlier that a lot of people think I'm very serious and I, and I am, and I'm very passionate about the work I do, but also being a firefighter for a long time. And, and what I do, I, I fall on a sense of humor and, and I love to laugh to help me deal with those things. And that's why I love listening to, you, you know, I, just like you, I don't have time to listen to stuff all the time. But like you guys are on my list when I have a, if I'm mowing the grass, I'll be like, what are Patrick oh, and Julian talking about? 
Thank you. That means a lot. And you always make me laugh. I I really do appreciate that. And you, look, I, I have a couple of, uh, I have one other good quitting story, but I'll save that for maybe next time. But I do, I did want to tell you my dad. So my work ethic comes from my dad because my dad is a doctor of physical therapy and is the hardest working person I know. And then last year decided that on top of being a doctor of physical therapy and running his own practice and doing all this, what he want, what he really wanted to do was become like a volunteer firefighter and EMT. So that's oh, really? all, that's what he does in his spare time. And I'm like, what spare time? Um, and he that's like awesome. will be, you know, in our, our very COVID safe. I mean, we haven't seen them since Christmas, but in the times that we visited, like he has the alarm goes off and he goes and he's like out on a call and he's like right. out there saving lives in his spare time. And I'm like, dad. So I wanted to tell you that. And I thank you for reminding me that. He's like that's what he wants to do and his That's really really cool. That's what that's that's <laughs> the best. That's how I got my start. I was I was actually I own my own construction company and I became yeah. a volunteer fireman. And then I just Yeah, it's all volunteer. Yeah. Yep. And then I and then I loved it so much and then I ended up making that a career and then and then loved it all the way to the top and then hated it up there and then Yeah. <laughs> started being a podcaster. And look, it's going it's going great for you, Bob. And I mean that I mean that a hundred percent. I'm sure as not a visual medium for your listeners, it sounds like, yeah, great job. But no, you really are. You're doing you're doing amazing work. You're getting people out of prison. You're doing you're working hard. You're do I mean, it's incredible what you do, truly. Well, I well, I very much appreciate that. And you coming on as I said, we were gonna talk about Heaven's Gate. I unfortunately in about four minutes, my office and studio is in what used to be a garage, and my 16-year-old is going to come in the, behind this door and open the garage door and make a big bunch of noise, and I have to go get my nine-year-old. Great. So I think, we'll, we'll, I think we can wrap this one up without a Heaven's Gate discussion if you promise to come back again uh, sometime maybe this year and we, can, and we can chat again. I would absolutely love that. Thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah, it's an honor to be here. Thank you. That would be fantastic. Please send Patrick my love, as I've told him when I've ta- spoken with him. He is my spirit animal. I love him so much. <laughs> I will. I will let him know. Um, and so her name is Jillian Pensavalli. The podcast is called True Crime Obsessed. If you're not already listening, you're missing out. Check it out. It's probably going to be your next true crime binge. Thanks, Jillian. Thank you. Binge is an NBI Studios production and is distributed by Audioboom. Produced and edited by Mike Bussing. Music and artwork by Shane Yoder of PutThemInASong.com. Our website, TrueCrimeBinge.com, was created by Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com. If you're a listener and would like to recommend a future guest or a podcaster that would like to request an interview, you can do so right on our website. And again, that web address is TrueCrimeBinge.com. If you're enjoying the show, please do me a huge favor and take a minute to rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you're using to listen. And make sure you give us a follow on social media. We can be found everywhere at True Crime Binge. Thank you so much for listening and make sure you tune in next Wednesday morning for another podcaster, another case, and another True Crime Binge.